It is such fun creating characters, writing stories, even doing interviews, even though I can't hear most of what the guy says to me. And when you do something that you know the fans seem to enjoy, that gives you such satisfaction, you don't want to stop. Good evening, True Believers. Uh, this is Drew, and Pete's here with me, and so is Ryan. He's going to sit and be quiet as usual, but we are... Um, this is, a, this is a special episode. We felt it needed to be done. We know that you're going to go on the internet and any podcast you listen to or any news site you look at is going to have this, but we woke up the other morning to a world without one of our greats, uh, a world without Stan Lee. Um, it's something that we all hoped never would happen, but here we are. Uh, so we wanted to talk about this. Um, I'm gonna We're going to do our best to kind of treat this as a celebration and talk about things we love and talk about why it's important and all that stuff and try not to make it a funeral. Um, I hope I can get through this without crying because I was thinking about some stuff earlier today and it kind of made my tears well up in terms of prep for this show. So, um, I, man, I'm almost like at a loss. Do you, uh, a loss for words at the moment. Do you have any thoughts on this, Peter, before um, we I really... Mean, uh, Go ahead. <laughs> it sucks. I mean, uh, like, I think this hit me harder than I really expected. Um, usually, I'm not, I don't feel too affected by celebrity deaths, but um, Stan Lee, just like, obviously, he did so much for comic books and nerd culture and everything that just, like, hits really hard, you know? Like, I actually felt, you know, decently upset when I found out about this, you know? Um, I was really bummed out. We were. <laughs> We were Ryan and I were at work and we were in the truck and we heard it on the radio and we both like froze and went what and like quickly opened up phones and then like yeah. that was all it was and it wasn't like like you open up your Instagram or your Twitter or your Facebook or whatever and all you see is Stanley this Stanley that like that's all anyone could talk about it when I when you say break the internet it's not it broke the internet for me because I follow those feeds it broke mm -hmm. the internet period there was it was like there was no other news that happened in the world. Except for this, and that, yeah. that's just a small testament to how valuable this uh, person was as a creator for what he did. Um, one of the things I thought was kind of interesting about it is as I was kind of like contemplating this, it made me think of the, there's only one other celebrity death that hit me like this, and that was uh, the loss of uh, Kenny Baker, who plays R2-D2 in Star Wars. <laughs> oh, wow. That, um, that hit me weird. Like, I almost kind of like rolled a tear. Yeah. Um, and then... Um, Adam West was kind of a weird one because that one was very sudden. Mm -hmm. But with Stan Lee, what's interesting about it is his wife passed away, like, what, maybe a year or two ago? I think it was, like, maybe two years ago. And someone had – the initial reporting was Stan Lee passed away. And I was like, wait, what? And then I found out that it was his wife. So it was yeah. Stan Lee's wife. Someone just mistyped or something like that on the news story. But Stan's been with us forever. And uh, when – you know, if you follow him on Twitter, he's one of those guys that you look at it and you're like, he'll say goodnight, great world or whatever. And you're just like, oh, goodnight, Uncle Stan. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You just, yeah. you feel good about it. Mm -hmm. um, but man, 95. And we knew he was getting up there. We knew this was coming. He had some heart complications a couple months ago. And we knew this was eventually going to get there. And um, But we want to talk about uh, what he really meant to this comic book industry. I mm -hmm. mean, he started he started in comic books in 1961 at Timely Comics before there was a Marvel. Um, and he 
was just, I think he started as like a filing clerk when he was like 13 or 14 oh, really? years old. Yeah, I don't, like it wasn't, it wasn't like anything, uh, it wasn't anything big. It was like a filing clerk until yeah. someone was like, hey, we have a, someone had an idea for something. He's like, well, maybe you should do it this way. And then they were like, oh, why don't you take a crack at it and handed him a script. And yeah. he just went with it. Um, what I think is interesting is there's so much stuff about the characters he created. Um, and there's also, I feel like there's a little bit of a common misconception with the characters he created too. And I'm not mm-hmm. trying to knock the fact that he wasn't like this massive creator because he created so much. And I was thinking to myself, you know what? It'd be kind of cool to run the whole list. Okay. That's right. Sounds, that's sounds honestly, awesome. I thought it was a really cool idea. Yeah. And then I Googled the list and I was like, oh my God, I don't have time to talk about that on the show. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, it's so that. big. Mm-hmm. Like when I say a common misconception, like a lot of people say he created the X-Men. Yeah. Well, he did. He created the X-Men. Yeah. Okay. But for example, he didn't create Wolverine. Mm-hmm. That's not one of his. Wolverine was created by Len Wein later, after the X Men had become a thing. Yeah. It was like an added addition. So, but he had created the original team. So, there are characters that you know, uh, like he created Ant Man. Mm-hmm. Okay, he create. We all know he created Spider Man, right? Yeah. But he didn't create Captain America. Right. Yeah. Captain America already existed at the time, and Captain America is like one of the first books that he was, contributed uh, to. It was so. Jack Kirby and uh, Neil Simonson or something created Captain America, I want to say. Right. Um, years before uh, Stan and Jack Kirby, obviously, worked right. on creating all of these characters together, you know. Um, right. But, yeah. I right, mean, I know. <laughs> I, well, like, Spider-Man's the absolute big one. That's, like, the top tier. That's the one that he's probably going to go down for creating. Yeah. Like, above all, that's the one I think that everyone's going to remember him for the most. But he created the Fantastic Four. Those were his original. That was his original group mm-hmm. that he uh, that he created because that was the first time that he was. There's a really great interview I saw where he was saying that they his editor wanted a new superhero book, and he wanted and he didn't know what to do. So he created the Fantastic Four because he wanted to tell a story his way as opposed to the way yeah. normally comics mm-hmm. are done and it took off yeah well the, the way i heard it was was that he was uh for years he had been working as a comic book writer and he was always told by his editors to dumb it down these are children's books don't use right. words more than two syllables don't get too scientific we just want action 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 dumb down dialogue and uh I guess he was really frustrated with it because he wanted to write, you know, something bigger and better. And uh, f- the way I've heard it is his wife actually convinced him, like, well, if you're planning on quitting, because he was, like, planning on yeah. just leaving comics. Yes. And she's like, if you're going to quit, at least try to write one book yeah. the way you would want it to be. And that's where the birth of the Fantastic Four came from. He wrote Fantastic Four how he wanted to. He made it a little bit more intelligent, com- more complex better characters, et cetera, et cetera. And that's what really blew, you know, blew up. And those are the characters that began the creation of all these characters we love. Right. And I'm glad you said that because the thing about creating these characters and not making them so little kiddish, not Mm. making them a little bit more adult was he took a character 
and he made him real, like in the real world. So, yeah, Spider-Man swinging around the city, saving people and being the good guy and being the hero that we know he is. But then he's got to go home and take off the mask. And then you still have this kid who is in high school and has teenage problems. He still has to go take his chemistry exam or he has yeah. the cute girl in the hallway that he likes that he's nervous and doesn't know how to talk to. That was all Stan, realizing that these people have to have realistic problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that DC didn't do that. But DC didn't really do that until Marvel started doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Superman went home, and you know he's married to Lois Lane at a time, so he's got Lois Lane. But they didn't really explore his marriage with Lois Lane until stuff like this started, mm-hmm. like like the intricacies of what a marriage is. You know what I yeah. mean? Like so, um, it's really interesting that they did that. Um, but let me run down a couple of these some some of these characters, and I pulled. I pulled some of the big hitters out of here because, like, there's some side characters that I'm like, the average viewer, the average Marvel fan, and when I say average, I'm talking about the people who just watch the movies at this point, because fandom in terms of comic books, I feel, is kind of split. You either read the comics and watch the movies, or you just watch the movies. Most people (laughs) don't do both. I do both, but, you know... So when I was reading the list and I'm like, oh, he created that guy and he created that guy and that guy, I realized if I start reading some of these names off, there's going to be people listening to our show that are going to go, I don't know who that is. <laughs> yeah. So I pulled out the big hitters. Um, so okay. this is primarily in alphabetical order mm-hmm. uh, just because I was going off of the list on the internet. So um, Ant-Man, Beast, Black Panther, which I thought was interesting. The Black Panther, was that was Stan's idea altogether. Um, Black Widow, Captain Marvel. Peggy and Sharon Carter were stands. So Peggy Carter from Captain America and then Sharon Carter, her niece, which eventually would fall in love with Captain America. Uh, Cyclops, Daredevil, Doc Strange, Doctor Doom, Falcon, the Fantastic Four as a whole, um, Nick Fury, Galactus, Jean Grey, Groot, which I thought was interesting. He's the yeah, only one of the, he's the only one of the Guardians of the Galaxies that was created by Stan. Yeah. Um that's why. That's why I wanted to run this Cause list because uh, Groot was just kind of. I've seen. I've never read them, but I've seen like the old Groot covers shared around, and it seemed kind of like more of like almost a monster comic sort of thing. And then obviously, it seems like they you know inducted Groot into the Guardians of the Galaxy right. later on. You know? Well, I just thought it was interesting that of the Guardians of the Galaxy, that's the only one Stan created. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and he's like one of the most beloved characters right now in terms <laughs> yeah. of uh, the movies. Hawkeye, Hulk, Human Torch. The only reason I mentioned Human Torch separately from the Fantastic Four is because Human Torch was one of the original Marvel characters before the Fantastic mm-hmm. Four was a thing. Um, Iceman, Juggernaut, the X-Men, slash Brotherhood of Mutants. Okay. So, like I said, like Wolverine wasn't one of his, but, you know. Um, Kingpin, Loki, Magneto, Dr. Octopus, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, obviously Spider-Man, Silver Surfer, uh, Gwen Stacy, Professor X, The Watcher, Thor. I mean, the list is much bigger than this, but these are just some ones I wanted to yeah. name off just because why not? Mm-hmm. Um, just so people get a big... I mean, if you watch any of the Marvel films, I just named off almost all the characters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Um, Absolutely. So we have... I. This made me think about... Uh, how I read comic books because I've been reading comic books my whole life 
Mm-hmm. But I thought about what was my very what was the very first comic book that I read. Now I know that people have handed me the comic books when I was younger, like you know yeah. you're trying to get the kid to read and like hey maybe he'll like this that kind of thing. And um, I thought about what's the one that got me reading comics. Now, when you're a kid and someone hands you a comic book and you start reading, you're like, oh, I like Batman. Are you really reading? Are you just looking at the cool pictures? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So a lot of times when kids, I just feel like in general, kids, when they get books with pictures and it aren't necessarily reading, they're just looking at the cool pictures. They put it down they go do something else. Yeah. So I thought long and hard about it and I knew, and I know exactly which one it was. I've always known, but I've realized why that this is, it comes down to the fact that I know this is the first one I read because this is the first one I read from beginning to end and fully understood what I was reading and then got me to continue reading. Yeah. And that's uh, Spectacular Spider-Man 140. Now, I will say this. It was not written by Stan, but when you turn open up that cover, the very first thing you see is Stan Lee presents the Spectacular Spider-Man and then you're into the story. But it made me realize that so many books, it's always Stan Lee Presents. Even if he didn't write it, his name was right there yeah. on the cover. You knew who was there. Um, <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I don't know if it's okay if I interject, because that's actually reminding me of something, is how Stan Lee was, that was a big part of Marvel for a long time, was Stan Lee Presents, and he was kind of the face of Marvel Comics, you know? And uh, another thing is you were, you We've, you've talked a bit about Spider-Man, and that's, like, you know, one of his biggest named superheroes. And I remember as a kid for a while, like, there'd be the Marvel logo on the front of a comic book. But a lot of times they'd replace Marvel with just, like, Spider-Man's face. Do you know what I'm talking about? Or oh, yeah. Be, and so, like, Spider-Man, like, his most famous creation was also the face of Marvel Comics. And it's kind of cool to think about how... Because of the movies, the Marvel movies and all the cameos Stan Lee has done, he's kind of become, like, the face of just comic books in general. And he's, like, become this big, uh, I I didn't coin this term, I actually read it somewhere else, but he's become, like, kind of a um, ambassador of comic books. I was just going to use that word, ambassador. Yeah, and it's, Um, it's just awesome to think of. Not only did he create all this ca- these characters or have a hand in creating a lot of characters in the Marvel Universe, he's just done so much for comic books and nerd culture and making it not only just accessible and accepted by everybody, but just also, um, I mean, getting everybody hyped about it. And, you know, it's inspiring so many more creators and everything. So Well, remember how I said, I said this a while back, um, a lot of people in the film industry right today are making movies because of the movie Star Wars. They were like, yeah. they, they grew up watching those things and now they're making the movies and now we have J.J. Abrams who's making Star Wars because of his influence and here he is. If you look at the comic book industry now, almost everyone who's writing comic books today was influenced by Stan Lee. Oh, for sure. Every all, every single creator. I doubt there's one. I doubt there's one comic book creator or artist or writer or anything in the industry right now who is not here because of Stan Lee. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Um, the I was thinking about when you said the ambassador for the culture, the ambassador for the fans. I was thinking about that earlier this week as well about how he embraced the fans on the scale of. No fan left behind, mm-hmm. ever. And one of my biggest regrets is after I, after hearing the news of his passing is that I never got a chance to meet him. And what's weird about that is I would go to a con 
and there'd be this massively long line. I mean massively long line. And you're like, what's going on over there? Oh, Stan Lee's signing autographs. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no way I'm going to hop in the line and wait for the amount of times, uh, the amount of time that it would take for me to go through. So because of that, I never got a chance to meet him. But that was Stan. He didn't want to ever... He always said that he didn't want to find out a fan never got to meet him. Yeah. And, that's awesome. You know, and, and that's amazing. And even mm-hmm. at his age, he was always ticking away. Um I think it's weird that we have a generation of kids who are growing up only knowing him from the movies. Yeah. Or like my kid, he knows Stan mostly because he has to save him in every level of Lego Marvel <laughs> superheroes. Yeah. So like every level or like around the city, you'll hear Stan yelling for help and you got to go save him. And that's just Stan, you know, needing to be a part of this. He needed yeah. to be a part of this world all the time. Um, you looked like you were about to say something. Oh, no, I was just thinking about the whole, like, him not leaving any fan be- fans behind. Uh, I think it's kind of crazy because the thing everybody says about Stan Lee is he, you know, he was getting up there in age and nobody necessarily knew how his health was, but everybody said, well, he looks like he's just moving around fast. He looks happy all the time. He's always smiley. looks like he has energy. He looks good. And it makes me wonder, like, maybe he has been... Uh, suffering with different health problems and stuff but i feel like he's the kind of guy who cares so much about his fan base that if he's going to make a public appearance he is going to appear like with just that joie de vivre like he's you know he's happy and he's having fun and he is here for the fans and he's gonna and i I don't i don't know if i know the best way to word it but it's just i feel like he has the fans in mind even just making cons con appearances and stuff and he's Stan Lee, like, he's got to be smiling and he's got to be, you know, in it for, you know, yeah, I his think, people. Yeah, I don't think we ever really got to see a side of him that wasn't that way. Exactly. Like he yeah. was never, he was always there for everyone. And that shows a testament of who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Smith uh, released, like, this really lengthy episode this mm-hmm. week um i don't know if you on his fat man and batman podcast i haven't had a chance uh, to listen to about it, maybe yeah. half of it it's amazing there's some really great stories he tells because kevin smith's worked with him a lot um but i was thinking um do you uh out of all the cameos that um stan has because he's i mean so i was talking to someone uh after the news and well okay let me get back to this cameo thing in a second yeah I got lots of text messages from friends telling me that they're sorry for my loss. <laughs> like, yeah. they kept saying, I'm sorry, I heard the news, are you okay? Like, as if I'm, like, a grandchild. Mm-hmm. Like, it was weird. And I was, and it almost made me think to myself, am I the only comic book fan that you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, which struck me as really odd. I'm like, I, why am I getting this kind of uh, attention because, you know, a hero of mine has passed on. And I realized it's mostly because they're like, we don't know how to process this because we're not comic book fans the way you are. So mm-hmm. they're reaching out to me to see if I'm okay. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but someone asked me, they're like, you know, hey, you got your podcast coming up. Are you going to do top five Stanley cameos? And I realized I'm not sure how to discuss the cameo conversation. Yeah. So instead of doing like a top five cameos, because I think that would be amazing. Are there any that really caught your attention and, like, that was, like, do you want to talk about some of these Stanley moments? Because this, I mean, this doesn't, this goes beyond just 
the Marvel films. I mean, he did cameos yeah. and other things. Like he was on Big Bang Theory, and he did a Simpson. He did a couple Simpsons episodes, yeah. and you know that kind of thing. So go ahead. Um, on the t- off the top of my head, there are a couple that I really love. Um, the first one, like I really got to go with, is which I think might be the original Stanley cameo, is uh, when he appeared in Mallrats. I was actually going to save that for the end, but yeah, go oh, ahead. Fair enough. Yeah. So, like, Mallrats is... I was going to try uh, and save that for the last one I mentioned, but yeah, we'll <laughs> talk about is, it now. Uh, is a Kevin Smith-directed movie. Um, it's one of my favorite movies, actually, and uh, a funny fact is in high school, uh, in my French class, we had to do a oral report about our favorite movie, so I stood in front of uh, my French class and talked about Jay and Silent Bob's exploits at the mall <laughs> in French, <laughs> which is pretty funny, but... Uh, the main character of the movie, uh, Brody, is dealing with a uh, bad breakup, and uh, Stan Lee's actually a character who, like, comes in at the end and kind of talks not only some sense into him, but just, like, kind of gives, gives him, him advice. Some life and, advice. Yeah, exactly, and uh, it's one of the longest Stan Lee cameos, but it's also Stan Lee just playing himself, and... I was just going to say, he's not a bus driver, he's not the mailman, mm-hmm. or he's not the guy... Um, you know, about to cross the street and Daredevil stops him from getting hit by a car. Like, he is, be, he's Stanley being Stanley. Mm-hmm. It's a little fictional um, because I don't, it, the way the dialogue is written is Stanley probably would never actually have that conversation exactly. with anybody. Yeah. But um, it's just him being him and he's talking about things he loves and he gives the, you know, it's just. Yeah, and they talk a lot about his uh, creations and stuff. And I think that one, I mean, Mallrats came out in 1996 or something, I think. Um, And so that was like, I think when I saw that movie when I was a freshman or sophomore in high school, that was kind of when I was kind of made aware completely of Stan Lee. Like I'd heard the name before, maybe seen kind of like Stan Lee presents in a couple of comics. But that was, I think, when I first understood, like, who the guy was, you know? Right. So that was kind of, uh, that's one of my favorite ones for sure. Um, I mean, I have a couple more if you want me to keep going. Uh, or... One of the, another one that I was going to mention was the one from Avengers and uh, Age of Ultron. Okay, um, what was his, his cameo His on cameo in that one, they're at the party at the beginning of the movie, and Thor is about to share a, as Guardian alcohol with Captain America. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, he hands Captain America the glass because he knows Captain America can handle it. And mm-hmm. Stan goes, hey, give me, let me try that. And he's like, I don't think you can handle this old man. And he mm-hmm. gives him a spiel about that it was aged for a thousand years and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and he's like, no, don't. We've, we were on Omaha Beach. Give me that because he was playing a World War II <laughs> mm-hmm. vet. And um, then he, Thor hands him the glass and then you see Stan getting hauled away because he's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember so, that now. That was hilarious. Yeah. Um, and then the Deadpool one, the Deadpool, the first Deadpool movie cameo was great because it was the announcer at the strip club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was so. great too. Um, one of my favorite ones, um, that I think kind of gets forgotten a little bit cause it wasn't in the MCU, but it was amazing was, uh, in the first amazing Spider-Man movie when, uh, there's this oh, wait, fight, the fight in the school. Yeah, there's a fight yeah. scene between Spider-Man and the lizard <laughs> in the school, and randomly they uh, they break through a door and they're fighting in the school library. But the shot is showing Stan Lee, who's the uh, librarian, I think, and he's got headphones yeah, on. He's <laughs> listening to music. Yeah, he's listening to like classical music while Spider-Man and the lizard are duking it out in the background. So that was just amazing. Yeah, and the so. table like almost hits him, but Spider-Man shoots <laughs> oh, away yeah. and pulls it back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's probably one of the funniest ones, too, mm-hmm. because, I mean, he has no lines of dialogue. He's just sitting there doing his thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's it's really sad to lose 
a hero and someone who is this inspiring, um, but his his legacy is going to be felt everywhere you look. Nerd culture, you know, the jocks had their time, and it was in the 90s. <laughs> mm-hmm. And nerd culture has taken over this planet, and we now rule this world. And, you know, Stan's influence is going to be felt everywhere. Yeah. Um, we talk about cameos, and a lot of people, if you didn't know, like, I think everyone assumes he's got a cameo in, Infinite, in the next Avengers movie. Um, he, I read somewhere that he filmed... 12 or 15 cameos in one day so they could use them as needed. So we might be seeing <laughs> Stan. Wild. We might be seeing Stan in a lot more Marvel movies than we realize. And I think it might... And honestly, I think seeing him might take me out of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's like... It'll be like, oh my gosh, there's Stan again. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he... Uh, so I'm assuming he'll be in Captain Marvel. I'm assuming he'll be in Avengers. But a lot of people, if you didn't know, Stanley has a cameo in the new Wreck It Ralph movie that releases uh, next week. Next week, yeah. Yeah, next week, Wreck It Ralph breaks the internet, hits the hits theaters, and he's got a cameo in that. So it's the next time you're going to see him. Yeah. Um, um, oh, I actually did have one more. Sure. Random thought. So you're talking about the first comic you ever read. Yeah. And uh, I was trying to think of what the first comic I ever read was, and. Uh, I, th- I feel like I've been reading comics since I've been very young, whether it be comic strips in the newspaper or a random comic book, but the first one I remember reading front to back actually wasn't Stan Lee or wasn't Marvel, but I promise this is going to come back to Stan Lee. So I remember when the uh, the Spawn toys first came out, sure. and uh, I remember I thought they looked so cool, and uh, I ended up buying the Violator toy. And the thing is, the Spawn toys came with comic books in them, so I got... A comic book that was obviously written and drawn by uh, Todd McFarlane at the right. time, and uh, Todd McFarlane, if you didn't know, worked for Marvel for a long period of time. Did a yeah, lot of did, Spider-Man. He did books. a lot of the initial artwork for Venom. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but what's also kind of cool is uh, knowing about Todd McFarlane. Um, I've kind of heard about his the way he used to work on Spawn, and then when he passed Spawn off to Greg Capullo to do the art, and Todd was still writing Spawn. He actually used a method of writing called Marvel Method, um, which was actually created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. And that method is uh, essentially the writer and the artist of a comic book will sit down and hash out all the details of the story they want to tell. And then the artist will go and draw all of the pages to tell that story and then bring those pages back to the writer who will then fill in the dialogue and the text and everything that's needed. this is uh, something that Stan Lee did back in the day. Yeah. And this is uh, something that he did because he recognized that the artist of the comic can tell a story visually much better than he could, and he could tell a story with words much better than the artist. And it was kind of this perfect way. It was a really simple system, but it was kind of this perfect way to mesh like the visual and the written aspects of a comic book. And uh, I just think it's awesome. I mean, if you look at... Not a lot of comics are still done that way, but a lot of the comics that people still love and talk about and are remembered really well are are these for the movies. Yeah, are these classic Jack Kirby or Steve Ditko and Stan Lee books? And I just think it's awesome how he kind of revolutionized that method of writing comics. And I kind of just wish it was used more, you know, because I think I just think it was kind of a genius way to create. 
you know, stories really. So yeah, absolutely. Um, what's interesting about that style of um, writing is I was watching, I was looking at a lot of internet clips and like people putting videos up of interviews and stuff. And Stan was talking about that. Mm-hmm. What I think is interesting is how he would go and he'd talk to the guy drawing Thor. Yeah. And they'd hash out the story. And then while he's drawing Thor, he goes over to the guy doing Spider-Man, and they'd hash out the story. And then you go back to the guy with Thor, and he has dialogue to fill in, and he fills in all the dialogue and, you know, text. And then he walks over to the Spider-Man guy, and now he's got to fill in all the dialogue (laughs) and text. So he's working on, like, what... He could could have been working on ten different books at one time. Yeah. And, and, you know, just bouncing from artist to artist and filling in dialogue as he needs to fill in dialogue. What I think is funny about that, though, is the idea of, hey, this is the story we want to tell. And then he leaves the artist to do his work and get the art ready while he goes and has his meetings with his other artists. But when he goes back, oh, wait, there's a helicopter crash now. You know, <laughs> yeah. that wasn't in the original conversation, but there's a helicopter crash. Yeah. So, you know, he's got to, like, you know, fill in the gaps. So the idea of, I mean, that's like almost marathon writing. Yeah, like, for that's sure. That's really weird, you know, and that's a that's a talent that, honestly, I wish I had. I wish I could bounce <laughs> from project to project. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'll be writing something. Because I do a lot of writing in my spare time, but sometimes I'll be writing something, I'll get frustrated, I'll close it, and I'll open something else. So I have like usually have like a couple projects going at once, yeah. just to keep my mind thinking about something mm-hmm. else. But and yeah, that marathon writing method actually like like con- contributed to how he created so many different characters too at once. Like you said, the list goes on and on right. and on. So there's a really great we mentioned Mallrats, but this is what I one of the things I liked about Mallrats in that cameo is when he talks about how certain characters reflected and it it all could have been bs yeah for the character for him to understand because he's trying to give him life advice but he talks about how like the hulk you know he's this he's this guy who's you know he's, he's a scientist he's a smart guy he's going about his day but something bad happens and he becomes a rage of emotion so that was a reflection of stan yeah trying to keep you know, his emo- understanding that he has to keep his emotions in check because, you know, he's like, I was a little bit like the Hulk or mm-hmm. I was a little bit like Spider-Man because of the girl in the hallway that I thought was cute or, you know what I mean? Like certain aspects, little bits of aspects from all these different characters, he used parts of himself to create these characters. Mm-hmm. And that's, and I, we always hear, we, we always hear other authors talk about doing that but I don't think it's reflected the way it is, the way Stan built the universe that he Yeah. Is. Well, I think, and that's, I think that has a lot to do with, like, he kind of built characters, like, on their uh, weaknesses a lot. Like, he created Spider-Man, who's this awkward, nerdy teenager, but then he gets superpowers, and then what do you do with that, and how do you still battle with your awkward awkward nerdy teenage years and stuff at the same time and it just became these stories that everybody can relate to the same thing with the hulk and a lot of his other characters they are fundamentally flawed from the get-go but it really makes it become this really relatable you know sort of thing for a lot of people so right well i don't know what else to say about this right now except we're going to be my butt's going to be in a seat for every comic book movie that hits, and I know that Stan had an influence on almost everything coming out at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm going to be continuing to read comic books, which Stan had such a huge part of. So um, I know I'm set. I'm, you know what I mean? Like, this is great, and I have Stan to thank for so much of this stuff. Um, and I can only imagine that now Stan and 
his buddies Jack Kirby and everyone else has passed on are the heaven sounds like a really cool place. So <laughs> <Yeah>. um <laughs> you know, that sounds like they're having the party now that Stan finally got there. Um but at any rate, did you have anything else to add before we bring this to a close tonight? Okay. Excelsior. Great. I was I just gonna know. say I was just gonna say, Stan, I hope you rest in peace and uh for all of us here at uh the top five report, Excelsior. You know, I guess one person can make a difference. Enough said.